0: This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and in Heilprin. We are live at Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Bucks getting ready to look for a fourth straight win, taking on the Hornets tonight down in Charlotte. They may have found something defensively. They've held the last two opponents under 100 points. Held minnesota to 107 may have found something defensively we'll see if they're able to figure it out in beat a bad charlotte team it's, they should not struggle tonight with the hornets but uh, a team that has not found something defensively it is the wisconsin Badgers. they are continuing good segue dist-
1: by the way Zach. thank you
0: good that's hey 10 years in the biz ten, <laughs> 10 years well i shouldn't say 10 years 15 years in the biz finally got a, seg- a, a good segue um Yes, Wisconsin obviously struggling. They're going to be taking on an Illinois team that just put up over 100 points on Minnesota last night. Can you imagine scoring 90-something like Minnesota did and, and still losing? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that answer short. Yeah, uh, so they're, the Illini are going to be coming to Madison. They feel uh, like they're starting to, to take it to a different level. They are second in the Big Ten, and they're scoring at a, a very good clip. That said, Wisconsin's only lost one conference game at home this year. That was to Purdue uh, last month. It was their second, I should say, it was the, probably the best game they played in the, in the month of, of uh, February. Still a loss, but it was there. Um, Wisconsin itself, as they sit here at 18-10, and 10, they're 10-7 in a Big Ten play. They're tied for fourth with Nebraska. What is your feeling... For these last three games, where do you, if, if, if I'm asking to like put a kind of gun at your head right now and saying, tell me what they do these last three games, what are you going to say?
1: Well, my feeling is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I would say one and two, because Illinois is playing good basketball at the right time. Purdue has been one of the best teams in the country all season. I know you and I have talked for several weeks about the fact we didn't necessarily think that that game was going to be particularly no. close no, in Mackey Arena and that leaves a home game against Rutgers that you absolutely have to have I still think Wisconsin can beat Illinois on Saturday So do I. I think the atmosphere is going to help now that's not going to get the players to score more points or help them play sound defensively so that feels gettable but it's like a toss up to me which is not a good spot to be in uh, for a, a home game so right now I'm going to say 1 and 2 and I mean you're looking at 19 and 12 when you were 6 in the country a few weeks ago it's it's not an ideal situation but I do think they a win against Illinois would really go a long way toward potentially turning this whole thing around oh, It like, yeah. is that big of a deal this yes. game to me?
0: Yeah. I think we talked what I don't know what game it was it was I think it was after they had lost four straight and were like this is a must win. Mm-hmm. This has a chance to be a, a game that can galvanize the team because Illinois is playing well. And and we also know that Big Ten teams have not necessarily played well away from home. Now that said, Illinois, I believe, is four and five away from Champaign, right? Four and four and four. Yes, uh, in Big Ten play, in Big Ten play. Yes, uh, I think four and five overall right. uh, on the road. But four and four, they're the only one close to Purdue in terms of uh, being being able to win on the road. A- and we saw them go to into Penn State and. Penn State had to come rolling back uh, to get that win a couple weeks ago or a, a week ago. I, I look at this game, and I think it is a win. I think I, I said going into this, these last four games, if they lost at Indiana, I think they beat Illinois. And if they had lost at, at Indiana, I think they would have lost to, to Illinois. But this has a chance. This, to me, is as big of a game as they've played this year because of what it could mean going forward. We both know they're not going down to Purdue and winning that game. So... This game, the Rutgers game, a Rutgers team that blew you out by 20, the last time you guys, or the only other time you guys played this year, those two, I think, are... Those are two games I think they can win. Now, will they? We'll see. But I, I think they do. I think they do win both of those games.
1: Is it, is it fair to say this is the most consequential game on Wisconsin's schedule all season? Now, that's a recency bias, yeah. and we know what's at stake now, and, and maybe... A week from now, we may not feel that. And if they had gone down to Arizona and beat number one Arizona, that could have been, been the game. But uh, that was a non-conference game. It didn't really impact Wisconsin standing in the Big Ten. And they were generally still playing pretty good basketball. Do you think this is the most consequential game on the schedule, on the regular season schedule?
0: I think, I think it's the most consequential, consequ, consequential game since the Ohio State game of the Big Ten tournament last year. Yeah, that's fair. Because that game was deciding whether they were going to have a postseason in the NCAA tournament. Hopefully, hopefully they come out and play a little bit more bigger on Saturday than they did down in in uh in Indy last year or in Chicago last year? Irrelevant. I think it was in Chicago. But they, they you know they need to play at a little bit higher level than they did down uh, in Chicago for that game. I think it's that that's kind that is the type of. Now it's not going to decide whether they make the postseason or not. I think we're both on the same page that they are going to make the NCAA tournament. I I mean, they could end up with the same exact record as last year and still get in. Everybody still has them in at this point. Um, Bracket Matrix still has them as a five seed. I know that Joe Dinardi, I believe, has them as a five seed. Uh, That was before the Indiana game, I, I believe. Is that is that right? When was that?
1: Yeah, it was updated. The morning of the twenty seventh, so so, uh, so they're morning. probably
0: a six at this point. You lose the next three, you're, you're you're putting yourself in that eight, nine, ten range where you don't necessarily, obviously, want to be. Uh, but bracket matrix, which has all the all the brackets, I believe, still has them as a consensus five, with the lowest being a six. Right. So, yes, I think they're still in the tournament. But that said, if they want to make noise in March, I think Saturday is the start of it.
1: I have to agree wholeheartedly. Uh, You just don't want to be backsliding at this time of the year. We've seen Wisconsin teams do that, and it doesn't usually end up very well. That's not to say you can't go on a run, but this this is not how you want to do it. The good news for Wisconsin is that they built up such a strong resume earlier in the season that when you go through a slide like this, you can still bank on that. It's just that you don't have much confidence in them finding that form and being the team that they were before. But that's why this Illinois game is so important, because I think if they do win and find a way to, to do that, then it could at least remind them about what's possible. I, I would also say this. I think there's something to be said for not just winning, but winning in a fashion that demonstrates you can play defense for somewhere close to 40 minutes. And maybe a win is a win, but like, let's say it's 88-86, to 86 and that's great. But do you really feel that confident if you don't play... A really good defensive game moving forward because you're going to have to be a super high level in terms of offensive efficiency if if you know your defense is just not going to be good.
0: Do you know where their defense is now ranked, uh, Ken? Bomb wise, of the last of the last twenty years.
1: All right, so when when last we had a discussion, it was before the Indiana game, and it was the second worst. And I knew that the worst was the 2017-18 team in terms of defensive efficiency, which was the worst of the guard era and the worst in the last twenty years. And I. Can only assume you're asking me that question because they have now surpassed that team. They have, and this is the worst defensive team in terms of defensive efficiency in the last couple decades. It is
0: back. It is back to the worst team uh, efficiency-wise. Ninety-nine point seven uh, points allowed over hundred possessions. You know, again, that's adjusted uh, tempo defense, and that is that is the worst. I mean, seventeen eighteen is ninety-nine point one. So they they they. W- the thing about this is, and Greg Guard uh, had a chance to go down to the Kohl Center today and, and talk with Greg Guard and some of the other, and, and some of the players. And the thing was, is they actually played better defensively against Indiana on Tuesday night than they did in their first matchup. They actually had gave up fewer points per possession on Tuesday night, but their offense was just so good earlier in the year that it didn't matter. Uh, and now their offense hasn't been as efficient as it was earlier in the year. The offense is still, I think, top 20 in the country, according to Ken Palm, but the defense has not gotten better, and the offense has fallen off, and that's what I think we're seeing with this team is is they the, the offense that was able to cover up for the mistakes early in the year has not been there.
1: Yeah, and in the Indiana game specifically, Khalil Ware is the best player on the floor. He's a first-round NBA yes. draft pick. He absolutely destroyed anybody in his path. He made 11 of 12 shots from the field. Every time they needed a bucket, he gave it to him. But Indiana shot 60% from the floor, and over the key stretch at the end of the game, Wisconsin couldn't get back-to-back stops. So right. it doesn't matter how good your offense is. If you literally cannot get the stop that you need any time down the floor,
0: it's going to be problematic. And it's also... Um a little funny, as I, as I watched Brooke Lopez just destroy a, a shot at the rim, Greg Gar was asked about Khalil Ware and, and ha- having that ability to block shots. He's like a legit shot blocker. Yeah. Wisconsin does not have that. So if a guy gets beat on the dribble, there is nobody there waiting. Whereas in the NBA, you have guys that are waiting at the rim for, oh, yeah, yeah, let him by so I can come and take his shot into the seats like Brooke Lopez almost just did there on the first possession. Like, Wisconsin... Mostly, mostly, has never had that. They've never had, like, Nate Reavers blocked, mm-hmm. blocked some shots, and Jared Burden blocked some shots, and Greg Steamsmoe is probably maybe their best shot blocker. But th- they don't have that in Steven Crowell. They don't have a guy that's going to be, you know, stepping up and shutting down guys. And they also don't have the charge to take, like, they can't take that charge anymore either as that's been essentially wiped from the game. So they've they've been having to find some new ways to defend and a lot of it is the jump, the jump, right? The straight up jump, jump ball like type of stuff. And some of their guys have been better at it than others. Tyler Wall is better at it than others. That's not Stephen Crowell's game. And so when you're playing a guy like Ware, it's a long night. You know who does not have a big that like that though? Illinois. Illinois does not. What they do have... Is a whole bunch of scores. Whole bunch of guys can spread the spread the uh, the floor, and uh, you know have the ability to get around you. They also post up their guards a ton. You know, since Shannon came off of his uh, what do you call suspension? It? An I mean, it wasn't even. A, I mean, I guess he was suspended, but he uh, they managed to find a loophole to get him back on the floor, yeah. which is which is great. Good job, Brad Underwood. <laughs> um, hey. The trial is, innocent, is later. Innocent to proven in, guilty. In May, I think. Innocent till proven yeah. guilty. This is this is a whole different challenge than what um, yeah. Cleo Ware presented for them, and and that's the other thing. He did not play in that first game against Wisconsin. He he was a late uh, scratch, and Wisconsin had their way down low. And this time they didn't. I think of the key
1: sequence to me actually is in the last two minutes, this speaks to Ware's talent. It's not even the shots that he blocks. It's the shots that he impacts that he doesn't get credit for. And Tyler Wall, they got Tyler free under the bucket, and it looked like he had a shot, and, it, and he, it was a high-arching shot that he way higher than what he would have normally shot to try and avoid a block, and because of that, he missed. And obviously, Wisconsin didn't make any shots from the field at all the last two-plus minutes, and it's because
0: of Ware's length and athleticism. And guards, guards said that on that play, they had, like, four shooters around him or they had, had four defenders around him that maybe he should have getting it back out allowed one of his you know an open three-point shooter whereas on the decision by aj store to take a three-pointer when you're down two was probably not the shot selection that you wanted yeah so it's making smart decisions and again we're all looking back on this because it didn't work out but a lot of these situations have not worked out for wisconsin in the final two minutes final four minutes they are 5-6 and six in games decided by single digits. They are 2-5 and five in those games in the last month. So six games that they lost, five, you know, I should say, uh, yeah, of the six games they lost, five of them came in the in the final minute. And the, you think about the Maryland game, that should not have been the game that was decided by single digits. It ended up being that way. But 2-5 and five is not going to get it done. And the biggest problem is, as you just said, not able to put stops back-to-back. Like, you take a lead, and then you give up a bucket. Greg Gard was talking about that today, too. Score, stop, score. They just have not been able to do that, to, to build a lead and push it past a single possession.
1: And I think I mentioned this on the swing, but I felt so much more confident about this team's ability to do that after they won on the road at Minnesota. It was a 61-59 game. It was a quintessential Wisconsin type of game where you've got to grind it out, you've got to get stops, and Wisconsin figured it out. And they just, ever since then, it it has not been able to come together. And it it makes you wonder, like, what would be the key to unlocking that defensive potential if it is there? Like, they have shown it at times. Is it simply a lack of ability and talent? I don't think so. We've seen individually these guys be able to defend, but for whatever reason, as a collective unit, it has not come together and that's what has made wisconsin so strong for decades is the way that all five guys on the floor played off each other and followed the rules defensively and it just hasn't come together in that way
0: well, i just i just wonder whether all that success offensively has kind of been in their mind like we don't maybe we need to play defense the, the way that we have in the past cuz we do have the ability to score like last year they struggled to score the ball and we knew in long, in, in long stretches but they were able to stay in games because of their defense this, I mean, the defense last year was ranked 19th in the country, Ken Palm wise. This one's at 53, and a lot of it is the same guys, except for one huge, huge right. difference: being AJ Storr, being on the floor quite a bit, and them maybe. And that's that's the other thing: this, is, their defensive issues, more so than not, more 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 so, more often than not, are not one-on-one issues. Like if, if a guy gets beat, a guy gets beat, but like you have to. There has to be like an intertwined, intertwined, connected group on the defensive end, and they just have not been there enough. And I think it's it's one guy off. I mean, it's a stupid. It's the same stupid stuff we talk about with um, with uh, the offensive line all the time, right? Like, oh, we have to be if one guy's off, the rest of us right. are off. Well, it's the same way defensively uh, in basketball. Everyone has to be on the same page, and if one guy's off. Well, that's going to lead to some issues. It's not been
1: an ideal stretch. Let's just say that. And Badgers fans have to hope they figure something out because let's just say, hypothetically, they go one and two here down the stretch and then they get to the Big Ten tournament and they don't have the double bye and they lose a toss-up game. I I don't know how you can have any confidence in this team in the NCAA tournament. So there's there's still a lot to play for, though. So there's the silver lining. Is there any chance? Yeah.
0: If they were... Well, you know what? Maybe we'll talk about this after the break because uh, there has been a lot of calls, as you would imagine, as you know, pro- probably from your your mailbags and <laughs> such, for Greg Gard and his job, right? If they were to lose the last three of the regular season, losing the Big Ten Tournament... Maybe not make the NCAA tournament. Is he still here?
1: You want me to save my answer for the next segment?
0: Yes. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and High Alprin. We're live at Monks Bar and Grill in Sunbury, watching some Bucks basketball. Getting ready for Wisconsin and Illinois coming up on Saturday at the Cold Center. It is going to be tipping off at noon. They're telling you to get there, though, a little bit early because it is going to be a day to honor Howard Moore, a former Wisconsin player, Howard the Duck, and also former Wisconsin assistant coach whose family was involved in a, in a tragic accident that uh, took the life of his wife and his daughter and has uh, certainly led to some big challenges for him medically. He will not be there. However, uh, they are going to be showing a video, about a minute and a half video tribute to him. He's got a lot of former teammates coming in there as well, including Michael Finley and Tracy Webster and Rashad Griffith, all part of the team in... Uh, 1993-94 that went to the first NCAA tournament in 47 years so he was and Howard was a big part of that as well very important bench piece um for for that team so gonna be honoring him and uh they're telling everybody to get there by eleven forty-five. 45 get in your seats by eleven forty-five to take part in that um all right let's play a little overreaction or no here Jesse mm. I think it's as simple as any athletic big will could dominate our defense. Our future is solely reliance on someone getting hot and riding them since our defense can't be fixed. <laughs> this is uh, uh overreaction or no on that. This is from uh, some of our questions that we got through on the swing that I actually never ended up getting to. Um, <laughs> I almost feel like
1: I'm closer to saying... No, it's not. And then, uh, then it's an overreaction because we've seen it. And the more and more we see it, the more you wonder whether it, this defense will be any different. I don't want to harp on the same points <laughs> in both segments, <laughs> but we know what the biggest issue is with this team. It's, it's defensively, and obviously when the offense has fallen off, it has magnified the mistakes defensively. But the, the issues to me have been the athletic guards who are quick, who can get into the lane, who can get to the rim. And obviously it helps if you can shoot well. And the bigs. The bigs give Stephen Crowell, Nolan Winter trouble, and you get into foul trouble, and then obviously rotation's much different. So it takes a certain combination of players out there on the floor to give Wisconsin problems. The issue is that a lot of teams have that.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. The Big Ten is not as good big man-wise as it was a few years ago, Yeah, but it's still pretty darn good when you have to go up against the, the likes of Ware and Edie and... And those types, um, what's his name at, at Rutgers, uh, whose whose name is is now uh, to me. Uh, but Illinois does not necessarily have that big. That's going to be, you know, a problem in the paint. They do have guys that are going to pull you away from the basket, though, and certainly give you trouble if they're able to, to hit some shots from the outside. Coleman Hawkins, uh, chief among them. But the um, the defense, I, I think they are who they are at this point. Like I don't yeah. think it's it is going to be a case of can Wisconsin's offense start to make up for its lacks, its problems on defense, which is one of the big reasons why they had so much success earlier in the year. Um, what do you think the key to that is? Is it, is it like, is it Chucky getting hot? Is it Max getting hot? Is it like, or is it getting back to where Man. they were earlier year where they were not hitting three-pointers, but they were able to find ways inside. They were able to find ways to get to the line more often than not. Like, how do where does that come from?
1: This is a hard one because I felt like what made them so good was that it was six or seven different guys, depending yeah. on the situation. But I also am inclined to say A.J. Storr, he's been your leading scorer. He's been the guy all season long. He needs to be much more efficient, Yeah, aggressive, get to the rim, don't settle for three-point shots. Yes, he can make threes, but he's special from the wing when he can right. get into the lane and all the things that this staff has worked with him on uh, to help him be more efficient, playing off two feet when he gets in there. But, of course, you need the other guys to to be consistent, and it doesn't mean that they all have to score 20 points in the same game. But, like, we've seen what Max Klezman can do, and I thought he did a really good job of that earlier against Indiana. We made three threes. Chucky was very aggressive. Steven Crowell, to me, has to be an all-Big Ten center. He just, he's capable of it. He hasn't in him and hasn't necessarily been consistent. So, and Tyler Wall, it's just, it's everybody. But I think it's got to start, to me, with A.J. Storr in terms of the way he gets to the basket.
0: I just don't know, too, do about Stephen Crowell.
1: Yeah.
0: You're, you're a seven-footer. You're strong enough. I think we have to go back to our idea of, like, how to, how to anger him before games. <laughs> and it, it goes back to the... Not Albert Hainsworth. There was another guy, one of their defense tackles with the Tennessee Titans. Guys just getting, just slapping it, slapping him before the game. Uh, an equipment guy just slapped him before the game just to piss him off. Um, overreaction? No, they will lose their final five games and miss the NCAA tournament again. That's from CT Badger. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that's an overreaction. Um, if that does happen, boy, you got some serious problems on your hands.
0: Well, and that brings up the question we talked about before the break. If that does happen does does uh, chris mcintosh make a move
1: i think it puts an awful lot of pressure on that decision because it would be one of the most epic collapses that i can ever remember
0: it for would, wisconsin it would be the most epic collapse.
1: i'm sure there are other programs who have endured stretches yes. like that but i don't cover the 360 other programs no um I've never seen. I would have never seen anything quite like that. I mean, we, obviously, we know that there have been a couple seasons where they didn't make the NCAA tournament, including last year. Last year, you at least had some excuses, um, but <laughs> you should have still made it. Yeah. Um, but, but like you know, you had injuries to key guys. You went zero and five in that stretch, and you were never able to recover. And but you should have made it last year. So if this does happen again, in the in especially with a team that has the talent, especially right. with a team that was sixth in the country. I think it puts the pressure on. I'm not I, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to say you, you have to fire the coaching staff, um, but I know a lot of people will say that, and it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. It and is. that would be two consecutive years Wisconsin's not been in the NCAA tournament, and both years they were in the top 15 at one point in the season.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I, I go back to the 2021 team that – Went three and seven down the stretch. Now they made it to the tournament, but it was with those all those. And I know it was a weird tournament too, right? It was the tournament that was all played in Indianapolis with uh, in Brad Davison, and then upset North Carolina in that first round game. But that team was the one that brought all those guys back from 2020, right? That outside of Brevin Pritzel brought all those guys back, and they started the year so high, in the, and then they fell off the they fell off the face of the earth down the stretch. This one is kind of doing the exact same thing and it comes after going five and five in the final 10 last year as well so by
1: the way that'd be going two and 11 to close the season if they lose the last five and miss the uh well lose the last four is what it would be
0: no they'd be losing last five because they would have they've already lost oh one, right. and they lose the, the big 10 yeah. tournament game two and 10 um oprah actually no crowell and klezman already announced they're returning for another year that's not a good thing. So
1: I don't buy this one at all. Um, so
0: it's an overreaction.
1: Yeah, to me it is. Uh, and I know that you can't just say, well, they're going to be more experienced or they have a lot of experience. That doesn't automatically guarantee you anything. They've brought a lot to the table. They will continue to bring a lot to the table. Be- just because the team is enduring a poor stretch doesn't mean you got to say, these guys shouldn't be a part of the program moving forward. And I suppose I would ask, w- <laughs> if you wanted to say that, who do you have to replace them?
0: Well, here's the thing. Uh, Brian sent this question in for the swing again. One of the ones we did not get to, and he is the it, full question. It was not an overreaction or no, but I turned it into one. But either way, he said, "Might it be the de- Might it be a detriment by taking away playing time and de- uh, developmental opportunities from guys like Winter, Yaldin, Hodges, Ilver, S. Es- uh, etc.? Especially in the case of Krowl, whose inconsistency has him more resembling..." Kurt Horman than John Luer. Uh, love Klesman's attitude and griftiness, grittiness. Excuse me, he might be grifty as well. I, 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 I don't know, uh, but his defense and athleticism seem merely serviceable and perhaps not enough. So when he's not scoring, so
1: I, I feel like over the years we've received similar questions as it relates to football as well. The idea that oh, he's taking away playing time opportunities from someone else. You know what I say to that? If those guys were better, uh, they would not be playing zero minutes. (laughs) Like, Marcus Silver was 11th in the rotation. He's getting more minutes now because Carter Gilmore wasn't particularly effective. They wanted a little bit more offensively. It's not like Ilver's giving you all that much right now. And, uh, look, Hodges is just obviously nowhere close. We haven't seen him at all. Yaldon might have an opportunity down the road. This has kind of been an unusual year, certainly, for him from an off-the-court perspective. But if any of those guys... We're ready, and I'm. I'm speaking more to the the big man side. They would be playing. the The Connor Seigent thing is interesting to me. Um, we've talked before. I know a lot of people have wanted to see more minutes out of him. And why isn't he getting more minutes? It's because those other guys are giving you a lot. But I I like Klesman. I like what he gives you. He can give you the offense, and he's also very sound defensively. So that has never held water to me. The the these guys, if if this guy just wasn't here, these other guys would be getting more minutes. Like no guess who's around those players every single day it's the coaches and they're not just making up how the minutes should go that's why steven Crowell is the starter so unless you have a transfer portal pickup in mind who's going to give you 15 and 10 next season then uh I, I just i i don't really buy that i think they're both very good for the program and i would rather know i would rather have guys like that around for another season
0: yeah, I had to go look up Kurt Parman. I, I had not heard of him, um, but apparently he was an All Wisconsin Mr. Basketball back in the eighties, and came to Wisconsin and played in 118 games, but only averaged uh, four point three rebounds, or excuse me, points and three and a half rebounds uh, per game. So, but he did at the time in block shots rank second all time. I'm glad that my long winded
1: answer gave you time to look this up to provide the listeners with information because I had also never heard of. him. I,
0: I, yeah, had not heard of him. Uh, I think Stephen Crow has, has already provided more uh, than Kurt Portman, but again, John Luehr is an NBA player. <laughs> he spent like ten years in the league. He's, uh, he's that, that's yes, I think, uh, and they're not the same player either. One's a center, one was a was a forward, so it's slightly different. But uh, I, I understand where he's coming from, where the idea of of wanting other guys, because we saw the same thing when it was reavers and and potter and Demetrius trusts like can we get somebody else can we watch somebody else after because when they're around for that long it's like i'm so sick of watching this particular guy especially when things do not go well you all of a sudden want to see the next person in and um we certainly see that in football as well right like yes. it was the same it was the thing with graham Burtz, and it's the same thing with every guy that sticks around for a long time and you're just tired of seeing them play. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Um, all right, we will talk a little football coming up on there. So a little spring practices, it gets closer. Still, uh, <laughs> I keep on saying this. I feel like, I feel like I say this every week, uh, but, uh, still three weeks away from seeing the Badgers on the field for the first time. And, uh, then we have to wait a couple more weeks to see them again on, on the field. But we'll talk who's under the most pressure coming in to spring ball, players and coaches. This is Temple in Heilbring, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We're live at Munch Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. Great place to watch some basketball. We're getting close to March. We're getting a little extra day of February here. Leap year. Some people are celebrating birthdays. Uh, Tyrese Halbert for the Indiana Pacers, Wisconsin legend. Hmm. Wisconsin native, I should say. Is five years old today. Congratulations to him. He is a, he's a leap year baby. But uh, great place to watch all the March Madness games coming up. And, eh, you know, Big Ten Tournament, all the tournaments. We're getting conference tournament time.
1: Best time of the year, NCAA my man.
0: Tournament time. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I was, And I think it is very, very wide open. I think anything could happen in the NCAA Tournament. I don't know who you would say that he's the favorite or that guy. You know, I don't know that we are going to have that. Purdue certainly should be among the favorites just based on the resume and what they've done, but you just, you never know. Um, But we're turning our attention to to basketball, that will, or excuse me, we're turning our attention to football, as Wisconsin will get spring practice going March 22nd for a day, allegedly, we I guess we don't know that officially, we haven't heard that officially from Wisconsin, but based on some some information uh, from prospective recruits, they will play, they will have one practice on the 22nd and then not come back until after spring break in april sometime so either way i wanted to to get your take on some of the players and or coaches under the microscope under the most pressure heading into spring practice and i i sent this to you via text and you shot back right away with your answer and i think i i was thinking the exact same thing
1: yeah well it's more so, obviously, during the season, since spring practice are just 15 practices I, that I, you I, I really have huge, no idea how good right, anyone is. But I
0: think it's huge. I yeah. think it's huge that you're actually having, having some success.
1: Yes. Uh, look, I think it starts and ends with Phil Longo. Um, given all the success that he had before he came here, all the excitement that came with his offensive uh, changes that he was bringing to Wisconsin and coming on the heels of year one where Wisconsin ended up averaging... 23.5 points a game, uh, which is the lowest that it was in a long, long time. Not great. No. So, to me, I, I think that's got to be it, because if you have another year like that, then you really have to question the direction of the program offensively. And we can get into beyond that, but let's hear your number one.
0: No, I mean, it's Phil Longo. Yeah. It's Phil Longo, and as you said in your in your text, Phil Longo and everybody else. <laughs> I mean, you could you put a huge, huge thing below it. Um he is under an extreme amount of pressure, and as I think we've talked about before, I don't think he gets another year. Like if you're, and I don't even know what success looks like to to get him another year, but you have to show some improvement as an offense. Even though your schedule is going to be difficult, more difficult than it was this past year, you have to be able to put up points. You have to consistently, consistently show some of the stuff that we saw in the bowl game, yeah. like. You don't need to be putting up those type of numbers every single time. I don't expect Tyler Van Dyke to be thrown for 300 plus every single game, but you need to show improvement on that end enough so that, all right, you're building here. you're building forward. and the other problem is and I think we'll see how, how quickly um, Van Dyke gets into it, yeah, but not having to be able to not be able to build from one year to the next with a quarterback right like you don't you had tanner mordecai for a year now you're gonna have tyler van dyke for a year you don't know who your quarterback is going to be the following year that lack of consistency or that that lack of ability to build is that gone in college football yeah
1: and i think that's a good point that you make because it just makes it really hard to be able to build something and this is the way of the world now it's not what wisconsin wants to have happen in the future I think back to 2011-2012. They had Russell Wilson come in, greatest quarterback in the history of the program, as one single season. They brought in Danny O'Brien. There was a lot of excitement. He had a ton of success in Maryland in the ACC, started three games, and then they benched him, and Joel Stavi came in and became, hey, maybe Danny O'Brien's leash should have been a little bit longer, but that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> How that dude got into the Nebraska game is still sucks. Yeah. Um, oh, he's but, better at the two-minute two drill. Get but the the, the hell point out of here. is, though, like it's one guy to the next, it can be completely different. Um, and maybe Van Dyke will shine in a way that, uh, in a more consistent way than Tanner Mordecai did. I do think it makes it very hard. Um, and that's why I would also say if I have to go down the list to number two, it's Tyler Van Dyke. Yeah. And um, you're playing quarterback so that's that's obvious. You're leading an offense that was not as effective as it should have been last season. And all eyes are on you. Yeah. Like you're coming here for one year just like Tanner Mordecai did. So I, I mean, there's a ton of pressure being associated with that role. What I find interesting is I don't think there are a ton of players, other players, that I would even put on this list at all in terms of pressure on you. And largely I say that because I'm thinking of where's this pressure coming from? I think of like fan pressure, alumni pressure, like that kind of of pressure, all these players individually put pressure on themselves, but a lot of these guys are new to the program, and so in the last segment when we were talking about Stephen Crowell and how it builds up with frustration among the yeah. fan base because they've seen you for a while. Most of these guys are pretty new, right? And so I just don't think the expectations for one single individual are feel as make or break, if that makes sense. I think
0: it does. I think it does. But you're right, Tyler Van Dyke and and Phil Longo certainly are probably under the most pressure to to you know provide. the the lift that we saw Uh, what are you expecting from tyler van dyke i have no
1: idea okay like and the thing that's interesting is i think his arrival came with such little fanfare that it's fascinating and it's all because of what happened last year and the lessons that maybe people learned about getting overly excited and i'll put myself in that conversation as well just feeling like oh my goodness all these changes automatically mean something different and potentially great is going to happen in year one well it was different in some capacity but the results were the same the um, results were worse and so well seven and six seven and six right <laughs> offense <laughs> yes were worse um and the defense and was so worse i do although i almost wonder if this is a good thing for him because maybe it doesn't make any difference he's on campus
0: it's a one-time opportunity for him too this is the last yes. thing
1: for him but just the idea that like the hoopla isn't quite... It doesn't feel to me it was quite what it was no. for, for Mordecai a year ago. And so maybe that allows you a little more room for growth. But, like, I, it's... Uh, I just don't know what to expect because it's kind of like the Daniel O'Brien situation. Like, in some, in one sense of there was a year where he, what, what was he... Wasn't he ACC Rookie of the Year? He was. And, like, oh, if he can replicate that. And he was not that guy. And we've got a little longer, I guess... Uh, span here to evaluate Van Dyke's career, but he was not that dude last year at Miami. Um, no. But it's like, well, what if he's healthy, right? And what if he's in the offense that he was in under Red Lashley when he was really great at Miami? So I have so many what ifs about uh, about him that I honestly I just have no idea what to expect.
0: I think the second year for the wide receivers is going to be the biggest thing. Yep, uh, because I think the. What this offense allows you to do in terms of finding, getting open, and finding spots in the defense is not something that's easy to do if you haven't been in the offense before. And no one was truly, truly in this offense before, right? There, there were certainly, you know, signs like certainly things that they did at Oklahoma State, and certainly things they did at USC, and certainly things they did at Cincinnati that those guys that that ended up playing quite a bit knew and understood, but it's still getting comfortable with it within Phil Longo's offense. So I think that is something else to watch in, in year two. The one guy I will say that is, I think is under pressure because he's been around for so long and because he has not lived up to the expectations that people had for him, especially last year, is Jack Nelson. He is now the leader on that offensive line. There's no Tanner Bordellini, right? There's, you know, Michael Furtney was a six-year guy. Jack Nelson is the guy. Yeah. He is the the guy and he's also the guy that was the the big time prospect that was going to leave. He was going to go to the draft and all of a sudden he did not have a very good season. I still think he is good enough to be a second day draft a second day draft pick. I do. Can he show it? And that to me is pressure on him to be able to show that and whether it'll actually happen or not I don't know.
1: And I think it's fair to put him on that list. Because he's coming off a season that didn't meet expectations, he had more penalties than anybody else on the team. I think more penalties than anybody else in the Big Ten. Um, And the other thing, as I think about this, is maybe it would be Jake Renfro, but who is the voice of the offensive line in terms of when we request people, we want to talk to an offensive lineman. Right. Who's going to be that guy who comes out? Well,
0: that's unfortunate. It was was Tanner 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 Bordelaney. You and
1: I, big big fans of him. Temple and Heilprin staple and and Kenny and Heilprin staple before that. Um, but Jack Nelson has got to be one of those guys who's going to be answering those really difficult yeah. questions. So I think that does uh, crank up the pressure a little bit. But um, I, I think it's worth putting Luke Fickle on this list too. Like I mean, oh, I don't think sure. I don't think we can have this conversation or end this segment without mentioning that a guy who's coming here, getting paid annually on average seven point eight million dollars to elevate this program, to compete for those championships, all of that stuff because of what he did at Cincinnati and his resume before that at Ohio State, like. He's the guy in charge running the show. So let's just say the offense isn't successful. Well, certainly that falls on Phil Longo, but it also falls on Luke Fickle and the decisions that he's making in hiring a staff and putting this team together. And yep. So um, it's not that year two is make or break for the head coach here at Wisconsin. I absolutely would not say that. But if you have another 7-6 and six season, um, that's not the direction that <laughs> they were supposed to be headed. See,
0: but 7-6... Some people would call that a, a success, considering the schedule that they're going to be facing.
1: It'd be hard for me to consider it a success.
0: I think it depends what it looks like.
1: Although, like if they, if I think you mentioned uh, on on the camp, like, FanDuel has their over-under at 6.5. Yeah. And we went through the schedule, and it was kind of like, well, 7-5. Seven seven? But it, it would still be hard to feel like that's a success when you know what not only Wisconsin has been, but where they are supposed to go.
0: Right, but when I look at... That, that the schedule, and, you, and you, you say, all right, well, if they put up a fight against Oregon. They put up a fight against Penn State. They put sure. up a fight on the road at USC, and they're still losing these games. Okay. Like, if, if they're uncompetitive or if they are showing offensively like they did against Indiana.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. Or
0: Northwestern or Iowa, then I have a very significant, I'm talking about last year, I have a very significant uh, concern moving forward with that. If they were able to, to, to actually show some progress on the offensive side of the ball, and, and, and defensively as well, because they, they went and changed up their, you know, uh, with, the, with the personnel defensively, especially in the front seven, it's going to be a little bit different look than it was last year. They also have to, to show that they made progress there as well, and they can actually stop the run and not let six of your nine Big Ten opponents run for 200 yards on you, which is just unheard of at Wisconsin. So... They, they there is there's pressure in different places for sure coming up next year. And again, we'll get our first chance to, to see them coming up in about three weeks. All right. Come back, finish the show. This is Temple in Hyoprim, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We are at Monk's Farm Grill in Sombray, Watching the Bucks take on the Charlotte Hornets right now. But there's going to be so much basketball here coming up over the next few weeks. And also a great place if you're like stopping down for the WIA tournament. If you're heading out like on 151, it's right off of 151. It's a perfect spot to, to stop and, and watch basketball or stop and get some food, stop and get some drinks. So check it out. Uh, Monk's in Sombray. We're also keeping tabs on the NFL combine, and Wisconsin has three guys there. It's slightly less than the 18 that Michigan has, but one of those guys that's down there is Mumajong Mehta, and the linebackers were among the first guys to hit the field this week, and Muma is a great talker, right? Like, I think we've talked about that in the past, right? We, we really enjoy talking to him. He gives you thoughtful answers for the most part. Um, he uh, did not have the season, senior season he wanted. He even, he even mentioned that. When he was uh, talking about it uh, down at the Combine this week. He is not off to the greatest start on the field. And again, 40 times are what they are. But he has started out with a 4.92 40-yard dash time. Which would be a pretty good time if he was a defensive lineman. (laughs) uh, Or even an offensive lineman. He is not. He's a linebacker. It is the worst time among the linebackers. The closest guy to him is a 4.75 that Aaron Casey from Indiana put up. So, off to a little bit of a tough start for him. And then you go and look at the uh, the, the 10 second split. Also, uh, last. Does this come as a surprise to you at all? I mean,
1: I can't sit here and say I knew what the numbers were going right, to be. Right, right. But,
0: like, he, he didn't think he was going to go down there and, and, and tear it up.
1: Well, he struck me as, like, a fringe. I mean,. It's probably a free agent type of opportunity, especially given the season that he had. I don't know that I necessarily would have said that coming into the senior season because he had, from a number standpoint, really good junior season. But obviously we saw he didn't necessarily fit the scheme defensively and uh, didn't play as many snaps. So you're just – when you are in that kind of position – you have to go out and kill it. You have to put up numbers that are eye-popping and that wow everybody. And obviously that's, that's not what has happened. So.
0: so my concern here is, and having not watched it, my concern is that he got hurt. Okay. Because he has not taken it. doesn't look like he has any official numbers for anything else. Okay. So I wonder if he got hurt. And I don't, I don't want to be unfair to him here uh, as we talk about it. But the 4-9-2, the honestly, it, it's not a great time. I never. I didn't actually think that he would. Time well down there, but four nine two is is uh, very slow. But also, uh, when you look at his play, kind of fits. <laughs> <Kinda> fits. <laughs> look at, I'm uh, excited to see what Braylon Allen do, uh, does on the field. And again, uh, Temple and Highpoint favorite Terrence Bordellini, as he goes and uh, looks for his NFL career, which I think, again, he's going to have a good one. I, we, we were talking about it on the camp, which one of those two guys would have the longer NFL career. I think we both went tenor, But I think Braylon could be an interesting piece for a team that's looking for a power back that isn't necessarily going to be the guy. He doesn't need to be the guy. I don't know where that draft position comes in, but it should be, should be interesting to see where, he plays out, where it plays out for him.
1: All I know is that he's going to crush it at the Combine with the physical numbers. All you've had to see is everything he's done since he was 17.
0: He is a beast. He is an absolute beast. All right, we'll be back next week. It'll be officially March then, and we'll talk all about the Badgers. Thanks for listening.